I've got all these microphones around me this morning. Some work, some don't. Our first scripture reading this morning is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 4, verses 1 through 7 and verses 11 through 13. Listen to God's word. Listen, children, to a father's instruction and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I gave you good precepts. Do not forget my my teachings. When I was a son with my father, tender, and my mother's favorite, he taught me and said to me, Let your heart hold fast to my words. Keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you. Love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom and whatever else you get, get insight. I have taught you the way of wisdom, I've led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. Keep hold of instruction. Do not let go. Guard her, for she is your life. Our second scripture reading is from the 12th chapter of Romans, verses 2 through 5. Listen once more. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds, so that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of yourself more highly than you ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned them, For as in one body we have many members, and not all the members have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ, and individually we are members of one another. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. What does it mean to be Presbyterian? Good answer. Okay, let's go back to something really, really, really basic. How are we saved? By what? By grace. By grace. Ooh, are they correct? By grace through faith. They left out part. By grace through faith. Very good. At least you know grace. I've been surprised at how many people I've run into who have been lifelong Presbyterians who don't know that simple, what would you call that, piece of doctrine, by grace through faith. Martin Luther came up with that, and today we're celebrating the fact that Martin Luther came up with it, and the fact that Martin Luther gave us plenty to think about. But what does it mean to be a Presbyterian? Actually, that's a trick question. It depends on who you ask. It really does. People find out uh, that 
you're Presbyterian and they're not, you'll get some one of two reactions mostly. One of them is, oh, you're a Calvinist. Anybody here know what a Calvinist is? Sorta. <laughs> Sorta. <laughs> or they will say, oh, well, that's cool. You can believe anything you want. <laughs> well, this is kind of like a, an answer I give in Bible study all the time. Yes and no. Part of it's right, part of it's wrong. It's not that simple. But that being a typical Presbyterian answer, I think that's why people who are not Presbyterians and don't know what we believe can find us so incredibly frustrating. If you put 10 Presbyterians in a room and give them a question to discuss, you'll get 177 and a half opinions. What's the answer? Well, it depends. People don't like hearing that. They just want the answer. As Presbyterians, we know that we can't look at this world in black and white terms all the time because most of life happens in the gray area between them. What do we do? We have to stop and think to be Christians in a world where maybe some folks don't want to act like Christians. How are we supposed to deal with that? And that's why people who see the world in clear black and white terms can be very uncomfortable with us. All they want is an answer. They don't want to discuss it. And as Presbyterians, we're big on discussion. You, do you doubt me? <laughs> come to a Presbytery meeting, come to Bible study or Sunday school, you'll see we discuss a lot. And I think that's part of also of what frustrates people. It's we have this long tradition, tomorrow 505 years of tradition of sober judgment. We don't have knee-jerk reactions as Presbyterians. Our entire system is built so that we can't have knee-jerk reactions. And part of the way we cure that is by having committees. <coughs> we think something, needs, well, we need to form a committee and study that. That's what we do. But it keeps us from leaping off a cliff into a place we can't come back from. It slows us down. You want to know what the Presbyterian Church thinks about a particular issue? You have to ask a Presbyterian and none of us are going to give the same answer. Because the church does not speak solely for us. We get to make our own decisions. Which is a lot harder than being told what we should do. We have very few pat answers because we think and that can be frowned on in some places, but you really can't poll Presbyterians. It won't work because we are used to thinking and we will dissect the question trying to figure out what it's really asking us. Was a Samaritan a good or bad person in Jesus' story? Well, in the story, 
The Samaritan was a good person, but if you were to ask a Jewish person from that time, the Samaritan really was an agent of the devil. And so it depends on who you are and where you happen to be standing historically. Most people just want you to say he was good or he was bad. Do I do what he did or not? But one of our favorite Presbyterian sayings is, God gave us brains and God expects us to use them. And that's why no one person in any church can get up and say, here's what we have to believe. If it's not here, it's up to us to figure it out. Jesus didn't come to give us an easy way. He just came to pave the way into heaven for us so we could figure the rest of it out the best way we can. Are we Calvinist? Eh, yes and no. We are, and then we're not. Do we all agree that grace is a free gift from God? Yes. Then we're Calvinists. Do we agree that grace is a free gift? Yes. yes. Then we are Calvinists. Do we burn everyone who disagrees with us? No. Oh, well, then we're not Calvinists. Do we agree that grace is not earned by good works? Yes. Yeah, so we're Calvinists. Do we fine or imprison people who miss worship on a particular Sunday? No, well then we're not Calvinists. And that's just it. With Calvin, there were no excuses. That's gonna be on the podcast. Calvin wouldn't accept something like, I'm sorry I couldn't be here. I had the plague. I don't care. I'm sorry I couldn't be here. The witch down the street turned me into a newt. I don't care. Pay 100 marks or whatever it turns out to be. We don't make people prove that they're worthy to come to communion. Calvin did. So are we Calvinists? <laughs> it depends on who you ask. And it depends on what their stance is on all kinds of things. Calvin was not known for being a kind and forgiving person. He also wasn't known for being a totally mean person. He was just known for being a cut and dry person. And if it wasn't for him, even with his faults and his troubles, we wouldn't be here today. Can we as Presbyterians believe anything we want to? Okay, what is the correct Presbyterian answer? Yes and no. We have some essential beliefs as Presbyterians. We believe in the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you don't believe in that, you're not Presbyterian. That doesn't mean you're going to hell or you're bad or we're going to burn you at the stake. That's not what that means. It just means you're not Presbyterian. That's all. And there are churches out there who believe that the belief in the Trinity is actually polytheism. That they, we worship three gods. And don't ask me to explain to you how the Trinity works. 
Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Three persons, one God. I don't know. It doesn't work for any of us, but it works for God. Do you not agree with an essential of what we believe like the Trinity, like uh, the fact that Jesus died and rose again? Then you're just not Presbyterian, that's all. But those are essential to being Presbyterian. Now I'm going to touch a, a tough issue. You do not answer this question. How do you feel about abortion? It does not matter. We have no doctrine regarding abortion. That's considered a matter of personal conscience. You and God decide where you stand on the issue. The church does not take a position. So you can believe something in there that might disagree with somebody else. But that's the beauty of being Presbyterian. That's the beauty of being a Reformed Christian. We don't always agree with each other. Do we? No, <laughs> no we don't. But we can always go sit down and have coffee, can't we? Yeah. Anytime. We believe anything that comes from a slogan, anything that comes from Scripture, anything that is something we've, just, we've all understood all our lives is open to interpretation. What does it mean to say, don't kill? What does it mean to honor a father and a mother who don't deserve it? That's up to you. We have to work those things out together. But we can't believe anything we want because sober judgment requires more than that. We figure it out together. But one thing the church cannot do, and it's in our confessions, is bind your conscience to anything. Period. Do you remember the saying, God alone is Lord of the conscience? I hope you remember it. That's an important issue. God alone is the Lord of our consciences. And within certain essential beliefs, we have the freedom to figure things out. We don't have a whole list of stuff. Here's what you have to believe. If you don't believe this, you're going to hell. Come to church and we'll see if maybe God will let you in. We don't know. If you wake up tomorrow, <laughs> I'm going to say it anyway. If you wake up tomorrow and you're dead, <laughs> do you know whether you'll be in heaven or in hell? You know what the correct Presbyterian answer is? Brenda knows it. I can see it on her lips. Cherise knows it. I can see it on her lips. The truth is we don't know because it's up to God. Now, I believe that I will be in heaven because I have God's promise. And God's promises have never, ever failed. So I'm not worried about it. 
But for somebody to come and say, do you know where you're going? If I say yes, that's blasphemy. I'm taking on a position of authority that belongs only to God. And blasphemy, if you don't know it, is, is a bad. Okay, It's a cold prickly. It's a don't do that. We have doctrine because our God is a God of order. God came to the earth and created order from chaos. And if we're allowed to believe anything we want to believe, we surrender to chaos. If our ministers, our elders, and our ministers can believe and teach anything they want, well, think about how that would play out. I always get a little bit nervous when there's a, a minister or a former minister in the congregation on a particular Sunday when I'm preaching. Not because I think they're going to critique the sermon itself for its quality. I'm concerned that they're going to be critiquing my theology. Because I can't say just anything I want from up here. I have to be consistent with Reformed theology. I can get away with a lot because a lot of you aren't educated in all the intricacies of theology. But I'm not allowed to say everything I want to say up here. There are constraints. There are boundaries. And there are things I want to say sometimes that I know I'm not allowed to. And God reminds me, you can't say that. But sober judgment always requires that we follow standards. And those are the ways that we judge the actions and teachings of the individual and the church. Sober judgment. Together. That's why we have a session of elders who help set the rules for the church and not me. That's not my job. That's your job. Who hold, we did have a question one time about who holds your minister to account for what they say? Well, first, God will. And that's forever in the back of our minds. But here in this world, only God can judge a minister is a scary way to think. Because it sounds like the divine right of kings. Only God can judge a monarch. No. In my opinion, a minister who believes that only God can judge them is incredibly dangerous. Get rid of them. They need to understand what it is to be human. And thank God that we do have doctrines and standards. Imagine the chaos that we, in which we would live if we weren't told, here are some things that we really, really believe. We have 500 years of thought and debate to guide us in what we believe. We have 505 years for which we can thank God has led us to being reformed and always reforming. We have 505 years to thank God that that reformation has not died, but continues always. 
And that's why things change in the Presbyterian Church. If we are allowed to believe anything we want to believe, that's exactly what we're going to do. But if we're forced to believe certain specific things and follow certain specific guidelines, it's never going to happen. We are free agents. That's what the Reformation was about. God is God and we are not. God is perfect and we are flawed. But God loves us, so God puts God's own righteousness on us. So we don't have to worry. You're a forgiven people. So get out there and do the best you can. If you have a question about doctrine, about what we're supposed to believe, come ask me and I will tell you. Yes and no. Amen. Come let us stand and say who we are and to whom we belong. God's sovereign love is a mystery beyond the reach of the human mind. God reveals his love in Jesus Christ by showing power in the form of a servant, wisdom in the folly of the cross, and goodness in receiving sinful people. The Redeemer is the Lord and Creator who made all things to serve the purpose of His love. God has created the world of space and time to be the sphere of His dealings with humanity. In its beauty and vastness, sublimity and awfulness, order and disorder, the world reflects to the eye of faith the majesty and mystery of its creator. <clears throat>